0: We are in our series baggage, we're actually in the last week and uh, this week I think we're actually dealing with something that um, hits really home, um, is, is a little bit uncomfortable and it's something that we don't like to talk about and it's the thing that we like to um, kind of put under the carpet and say, that's just me. Um, we're talking about anger. And I, I think really the basis of anger and how you can see it get out of control so quickly is road rage. I mean, isn't it amazing, seriously, like how you cannot know who that person is Like what gender they are, how old they are, because their windows are tinted. But you can hate them with like all your being just because they cut you off. Like it's amazing to see people do that. And when you look at road rage, I'm not just talking about the people that just go nuts. I'm talking about they they actually define road rage as if somebody does something dumb and you like flick them off in your car, or if you say something bad about them. Maybe I'm the only one in here. You guys are like, oh, who does that? No. Look, look I, and, I, and I've been there. I still remember where it got absolutely out of hand. We, I was driving with um, my wife, Chrissy. We were in uh, West Palm Beach, and we were driving, and it was at night. And I pulled out, and the hard, here's the hard part for those of you that drive motorcycles. At night, because it's just one light, it's hard to tell depth perception. That's one of the biggest problems motorcycles have. And so I pulled out not thinking that it was that close, where apparently I cut him off. And he got very angry and came up next to the car window and started revving in his engine and told me to roll down the window. And then he yelled at me and then he called my wife a couple names. And um, and then he pulled out in front of me. And in that moment, uh, my, my all rational thought left. And in my mind, I said, okay, fine. So I went up and I bumped his wheel. Um, and, He wasn't moving. But I was about to, and my wife, who had just been called the name, is like, what are you doing? I'm like, I'm avenging your honor. Like, this is what I'm supposed to do. Because I was mad. And then when I bumped his wheel, he realized I was serious. His face changed, and then he took off. But I look back, at and I'm going, wait a second. So I allowed anger to take such a hold of my life. I was willing to hurt and possibly kill someone, and then my wife never see me again. But that's what anger does, right? I mean, none of us have a bout with anger and go, man, I'm so happy I was angry at that time because I made all the right decisions. Right? That, that's never the case, yet it's something that we don't like to deal with. Here's something that's interesting. I'll just kind of tell you this, and maybe some of you, this won't be good. But they've actually found that the number, uh, the the percentage possibility that you have road wage is in direct correlation to the number of stickers you have on the back of your car. Not what stickers, like it could say like coexist 50 times, but like that means you're more than like, so all those like soccer moms with like all the family across, like that's a bunch of stickers. But I just thought that was interesting. Anyway, but here, here's, here's the truth and here's what we're going to get at today. And this is what the, kind of the basis of what I want to understand is so many times when it comes to anger, here's what we say, the source is that person, that thing, that thing out there. What we want to get at today is the source is actually in here. See, when I, when I wanted to talk about this, this message, really with anger, I'm like, man, it fits into everything we've been talking about. It fits into bitterness. It fits into so much of the frustration that we have. Like it, it kind of goes along with it, but it is also the one that is the biggest example of there's something wrong inside of me. There's something wrong with my heart because it causes me and tempts me to go off and do things that I normally wouldn't do. And it causes me to respond in a way that ends up killing relationships. Matthew 15, 18 says it this way, it says, but the words you speak come from the heart. That's what defiles you. And the word defiles there means it's what kills your relationships, both with God and others. It says, For from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, all sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. It says it's, it's what comes from the heart. And see, what we've got to get at today is many times we like to hold on to anger, but the choice is this. We can choose the relationship or we can choose what we want. We can choose to be right or we can choose something more. And that is a hard truth because we want both. Many of us, we like what we're angry about and we're good with it. And we think it's an okay thing. It's like okay to just be angry. But here's, here's the truth. There's, it's something that affects our heart. And if we don't monitor our heart and our emotions, then things get out of hand. And some of you may say this. I'm not an angry person. There's just certain things that trigger me. Right? We all have that thing. We, we all have that one thing that, like, we could be having a great day. That one thing happens or that one thing is said by that certain person in our life, and, it, and we go off. And we go, but that's just the one thing that triggers me. Uh, we have... Um, our, we foster, in our very first set of foster kids, we had a kid named Jay who was four, and Jay was literally one of the most awesome kids ever. He would literally come up, like was incredibly personable for age four, like incredibly personable. Everybody loved him the moment he walked up, would come up, would talk to you, was incredibly smart, engaging conversation. And really when we first got him, we're like, man, this is gonna be easy. But here's the thing that Jay had, the moment we were doing something fun and it had to change, he got triggered. He got triggered. And when I say he got triggered, like on the floor, screaming, yelling, mad, angry. And then us as the white foster parents with the black child on the ground screaming freaking out, we're like, what do we do? Like, it's, it's a weird situation, but every time we would be out having fun at the park, then the moment, everything's good. The moment we had to leave, freak out. We could be going and doing something fun. Moment we had to leave, freak out. We're at church and that's always the fun part. Hey, look, it's the pastor. And the moment we have to leave, freak out like just freaking out. And they're like, what did you do to him? I'm like, I didn't touch him. He's just freaking out. I remember we had friends uh, that were like, oh, you guys are, you know, you're, o- you're overdoing it. Jay's not that bad. He's, he's awesome. So they took him to Universal Studios. They spent the entire day at Universal Studios. Incredible day. The moment they had to leave, Jay freaks out. Jay screamed from the moment they left the park till the moment they got home in Tampa. Here's the deal. We can all go, hey, Jay's four. Right? He's gone through trauma. You know, he got taken out of his home. We expect that. But for some reason, when we have things that trigger us, we go, oh no, it's okay for me. Yet we're grown adults. Here's the problem. We know this. In the same way that Jay's triggered ruined the day, when we're triggered by something, we are choosing at that point that everything that we've been working for that entire day, sometimes for months, we are ready to give up just because of anger. And now when I talk about anger, I'm just not talking about extroverted anger. We talk about, you know, the, the screaming, the yelling, that's the anger we see. But some of you are incredibly introverted angers. Like your emotion changes, everybody knows it. Or you just get quiet, but your silence is deafening. Some of you had a parent like this. Like it, you, you knew everything was wrong because all of a sudden it got quiet and nobody knew what to do. And we have this way of allowing it to control our lives. Now, I will say this, there's one exception to this and it's called righteous anger. It's this idea that when you see there's something wrong in the world, there's something wrong with what's going on. And because of that anger, you go to change things. It's the reason why you see so many people changing things with sex trafficking. It's the reason you see so many people changing things with all the wrongs in the world. That's a good thing. In fact, you see Jesus do the same thing. Jesus came up to the temple and at the temple, they were were doing this. Basically, you would bring a sacrifice and the temple people would go, well, that sacrifice is not good enough. It has a spot on it, but we have a sacrifice for you, but it's four times the price. So the temple was making money off of people coming to God. Jesus saw this, got angry. He fashioned himself a whip and literally like cleared the temple. That's why when people show like the, like the, you know, the blonde hair, blue eyed Jesus that's holding a lamb, like this doesn't fit in. Like Jesus fashioned himself a whip. I've never fashioned myself a whip. That's pretty hardcore. And he cleared everyone out. Why? Because what was going on was wrong. People were coming to worship God and people were making money off of it. I mean, it's us with foster care. My wife was in prison ministry and realized two thirds of the prison's uh, inmates were in foster care. 90% of the girls rescued out of sex trafficking were in foster care. And we're like, this, this is something that is wrong. So it causes us to stand in the gap and get other people to do it. There is nothing wrong with that. But here's the deal. Righteous anger focuses on injustice in other people's lives. Most of the time, our anger has to do with something that we don't get that we think we deserve. That's really where most of our anger comes from. It's, I believe I deserve that. See, righteous anger is constructive. Our anger most of the time is destructive. So what I want to do is I want to look at a guy in the Bible named James. And we've talked about him before. James wrote the book called James, uh, very creative. And he wrote the book called James. And really, James is the book that if you're just like, God, just show me what's wrong with my life, you read James. James just lays it out like just very plainly. And he says exactly what's going on and he gets to the root of anger. See, James was somebody who was very black and white. They actually called him James the just and you will see that in his writing. He's very much, this is what's right and this is what's wrong. So James 3.13, we'll start off here. It says this, it says, if you are wise and understand God's ways. I love that. Because never have you started off a conversation and said, if you want to be smart, nobody's gone, I don't want to be smart. He's like, if you want to be wise, which everybody is, he goes, you must understand God's ways and prove it by living an honorable life, doing good works with the humility that comes from wisdom. He's saying, if you're wise, you understand life. You understand humility. See, the more you know, the more you realize that arrogance is dumb. Because I, I found this, the more I know, the more I realize I don't know. The more I know, the more I realize that I don't even know that I don't know that thing. And the more people I meet, the more I realize that everything I thought I was great at, there's somebody else that does it better or in a different way. He's saying humility comes from wisdom. And what is wisdom? Understanding you don't know everything and you can't control everything. In fact, I'll I'll tell you guys this. And if you can learn this now, you will get it. The hardest lessons I had to learn was I don't know everything and I can't control anything. And in a marriage, I can't control anyone. Not that you need to. In fact, you shouldn't try to control anyone, but it's something that we all have inside of us and we do it different ways and we're okay as long as somebody's going the right way. But the moment it goes out of whack, we start to use different mechanisms to control them. Usually the same mechanisms that our parents used on us to keep us to do the things that they wanted us to do. And so we learn these things. He goes, if you're wise, you understand that that's not possible. It's not possible to control anyone. You have to sit back in humble humility and believe God is in control. But humility is the opposite of what is natural. It's not what we naturally go to. James three fourteen. he goes on. He says, he says but if you are bitterly jealous and there's selfish ambition in your heart, don't cover up the truth with boasting or lying. What is he saying? He goes, hey, if there's stuff in your heart that's not right, if it's jealousy and it's selfishness, don't act like it's not there. Don't act like you don't have it there. Don't try to act like you're better than her. Oh, no, no, I have no jealousy. I'm thrilled about it. If it's there, actually be honest. This, we talked about this last week with jealousy. If you have jealousy in your life, call it out in your life. Stop pretending to be okay. Why? Because he goes on, verse 16 says, For wherever there is jealousy and selfish ambition, there you will find disorder and evil of every kind. See, what jealousy is this, is it's something that stays in our heart that tells us, I deserve this. You deserve this. What does this have to do with anger? Everything. Everything. At the root of all of our anger, at least not a part of it, it's the idea that I didn't get something that I deserve. James 4.1 says, What is causing quarrels and fights among you? Don't they come from the evil desires at war within you? Now keep that verse up there. It says, what is causing the quarrels and fights among you? We would look at that and we go, James, no, no, no. It's not what, it's who, right? It's who's causing them. Because you don't understand, you haven't met my mom. Like she's the one nitpicking everything about my life. Like she's the one constantly telling me about this or doing this or going, why haven't you been married yet? You know, you're going to grow up and this is going to happen. Like that's my mom. Or my sibling that's always at war with me or always telling me that they're better than I am or that I don't do the things that I should or the ex, or whatever it may be. You're going, no, no, no. It's not what. James, you don't understand. It's who. Because I'm good except for these people. And he's going, no, 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 no. You need to understand. It is a what to it. Now, let me say this. As long as you believe your anger is a who, you will never get to the base. You will never get to the root of your anger. As long as you believe that your anger has to do with a person as a them problem and not a heart problem, you will never understand where it's actually coming from. And here's what's interesting. Right now, I know some of you right now are looking at me kind of mean. You're like, no, 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 you haven't met them. You haven't met that person. And I need you to understand the reason you are not good with them is because they aren't giving you something you think you deserve. You think you should have in your life. And so the reason we get angry is because of that. You're like, but how? I just want respect, right? You think you deserve respect. I just want them to give me credit. I just want a piece of that. But how? I earned it. What does that mean? Well, you think you earned it. So because you earned it, what? You think you deserve something. You know how? But they promised. And so you believe because they promised you deserve something. But how? It wasn't fair. It's that idea that I deserve something. And if we can pause For a moment, we can understand what's really going on. Now, I don't want you to to have this idea that I'm just saying you just go throughout life and let everybody push you over. What I'm saying is this, when we get to the basis of understanding it's coming from something in here, it allows us to have the conversation that's an actual conversation, not an anger moment that kills the conversation. It's kind of like this. You guys remember growing up and being in the backseat and you're talking to your brother or sister or yelling at them and going, he's looking at me. Right? He touched me. He did this. He did that. And what would your parents say? Very rarely did your parents say, oh, I'm just going to punish one of you. What would they say? Everybody's getting spankings. Like, that's the way my dad did. He goes, I don't care who did it. I don't care who spilt it. I don't care what's going on. If that happens, we're pulling over. Everyone's getting spankings. And my sister's like, I didn't do anything. I'm like, ha ha. You know, it's just... The way that it is. Here's what's happening though. God's looking down. He's going, guys, I created you for community. I created for you to get along and through working together, everyone gets their needs met. Yet we're fighting over things you think you deserve. What are you doing? God's literally looking at us in the backseat going, why are you guys squabbling over stuff that you think is so big, but in the entire scope of life is so incredibly small? He says, why is your anger there? Why do you care more about getting what you deserve than you care about that person? James 4.2 says this, says you want what you don't have, so you scheme and kill to get it. You are jealous of what others have, but you can't get it, so you fight and you wage war to take it away from them. Yet you don't have what you, don't, what you want because you don't ask God for it. Now that sounds like a lot when it says you scheme and you kill for it, but think about this. When you believe you deserve something, Isn't it interesting how at first you try okay ways of getting it, but then after a while, you're okay with starting to hurt that person to get it. And after a while you're okay with hurting their reputation or hurting things around them and their schemes that go along with it, just so you can get what you want. I mean, here's what he's saying here. He goes, that same anger that produces in someone that would kill someone is that same anger that's inside of you right now. And you may not be physically killing someone But you may be taking out their emotions and who they are just because you think you deserve something that you don't have. I mean, it's that thing, you know, I didn't want to yell, but you made me do it. (laughs) My mom saying, I don't want to yell, but you guys, I'm sorry. Or, you know, I didn't want to hit you, but you made me do it. And we go to that level and we see that happening. We're like, how can you get to that point? It's the idea that what I deserve comes in higher than who you are. See, the angrier we we get, the more willing we are to hurt those around us. And I'm not saying we shouldn't be upset when we are wronged, but there's a difference between being upset and allowing anger to control our emotions. See, when I actually own my part, when I stand back, and this is what we can do when we're in those situations, if I can stand back and go, all right, the reason I'm angry is not that person, it's because I want this, then I can stand back understanding that with wisdom and know how I should go forward. Because that's, that's, I mean, that's emotional intelligence. The ability to stand back and actually be able to verbalize what you want. Have you ever been in an argument with someone that didn't even know what they wanted? Like halfway through, you're like, why are we fighting? They're like, I don't know. And you're just yelling. Because it's emotional intelligence to be able to come back and go, okay, this is the reason why I'm hurt. Why are you hurt? and be able to talk from those things. But what do we do? How many times do we have arguments and get angry and no one knows why? And we expect them, well, you should know why. They don't, yet we're okay with being in that place. So here's my question to you, what's your relationship with anger? Meaning, do you let it boss you around? Do you allow it to control your responses? Are you okay with anger coming into play? Because sometimes it gets you what you want. Is it something that you allow to control you? Because at first it may be okay, but after time, what does it do? It burns the people around us. If I were to ask the people closest to you, what would they say? How would they say you respond to anger? And that's really who you should be asking anyway, because most of the time we can't see it ourselves. What would they say? Would they say it controls you just when you're around certain people? Would they say it controls you just in certain environments? But hear here what I'm saying. When you allow anger into your life, it controls you. It controls you. What do all of us not want? Nobody wants to be controlled. Yet we are allowing emotions to control our response in these ways. I mean, for some of you, it's going to happen soon. If you pay attention to it, you will see it. For some of you, it will happen in the parking lot. I mean, someone will pull out in front of somebody else, and you'll be like, ah. You're like, Pastor Hal just talked about this. I don't know if you'll do this, but maybe it'll help. But we see it. It's one of those things we have to be paying attention to it and go, wait, why am I getting angry in this moment? And here's what's interesting. And whenever we use the example of Jesus, it's so easy to go, well, that's Jesus. But he is our example. He's the one that we look to. But I mean, think about it. He was the one who had like deserved so much more. Like never did you see Jesus walk into a room and go, do this, I'm the son of God. Like he never walked in and did that. He never said, hey, out of my seat. I'm Jesus. Like you never saw him do that. In fact, you saw the opposite of that. What he deserved wasn't death, right? No, what he deserved was not getting the beatings and all these things. He didn't deserve any of that. Yet he put that aside, why? Because he wanted the relationship. See, when we choose to step back from our anger, and we choose to actually have a conversation, what we're doing is this. It's very simple. We're putting the relationship instead of what I think I deserve. Philippians 2, 6, and 7 says, though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So what does that mean? That means if we can actually get to the place where we humble ourselves, where we can get to the place where we can actually look at what's bothering us, we can look at our life and go, not am I winning, but is everyone winning? Not am I winning, but are my relationships winning? Here's what Jesus always does. Jesus always nudges us away from arrogance and selflessness and moves us towards humility and other-centeredness. And here's why. And we know this. Look, I, I know, we know this, but it's hard to live this. When we live a life of humility, when we live a life that cares more about relationships than ourselves, our life becomes bigger. Our life becomes more and our life becomes better. So my question is for you guys and really this entire series, what are you doing daily to make sure you're paying attention to the things that control you? What are you doing right now to focus on what is it that at my core sets me off? What is my trigger? Is it respect? Is it somebody pointing out something that has gone wrong past in your life? Is it your parents bringing something up? And here's what you look at. You look at, okay, that makes me angry, but it also controls me. So if I take that control away from that anger, I get to be who I want to be. And maybe I can actually have a conversation that changes the relationship. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much. Uh, for who you are, God, we thank you that you are a God that, um, that just shows us the way that we should live our lives. God, I know with anger especially, it's something that we like to hold on to. God, I know with anger, it's something that we like to have because it's, it, it's that thing in, in our back pocket that many times gets us what we need or what we think we deserve. God, I pray that we would start to put that aside. God, I pray that you would start to show us the areas of our life where anger is huge because of something we think we deserve. And God, we know this. When we live the life that you called us to live, we get everything that we absolutely deserve and more. God, I pray that you would allow us to look at our relationships, look where anger has torn things apart and God, look for ways to mend those relationships. God, I thank you so much that we get to meet here today and just talk about this in our lives. And in Jesus' name I pray, amen.